0: Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. He said, the land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, "Ah, I will do this. I will pull down my barns, and I'll build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. Within all of us, there is a constant battle between our desire for more and our satisfaction with what we have. Based on what we know about Jewish law and, and Jewish inheritance law, the man who asked Jesus to make his brother split the inheritance was most likely the younger brother. And he wasn't asking because. He'd been left with nothing or robbed of what was rightfully his. He was asking because he wanted more. He wanted more, even if it left his own brother with less. And so he came to Jesus to get permission, to get a religious leader to sign off and justify his greedy motives and actions. Now, if you notice, this is the second time in recent weeks that we've seen people try to pull Jesus into their drama. Two weeks ago, if you remember, Martha was angry at her sister and tried to get Jesus to pick a side. And now it's happening again. Once again, a a sibling has misplaced priorities and tries to rope Jesus in, and you can tell that Jesus is frustrated because he basically says to the guy, why is this my job? This is what communication experts call triangulation. Drawing someone else into a conflict or an argument, creating that third part of the triangle, asking them to pick a side, rather than just dealing directly with the conflict and speaking to the person with whom we have an issue. Doing that is hard, right? And it is just, oh, it's so much easier to just complain to somebody else, to gossip with somebody else, to get someone else on our side. But in truth, all that does is spread around the conflict and anxiety to more people. It doesn't actually deal with the situation or bring healing or reconciliation or or open and honest communication, all the things that should be our goals. And that's why the church functions differently. We avoid triangles. When we have an issue with someone, we talk to them about it directly rather than spreading around the anxiety or or trying to divide our community in some way. When we don't like a decision, we talk about it openly and honestly with the people who made it, rather than complaining to others who may feel the same way. We don't allow for anonymous criticism, for people are saying, someone told me, Or my personal favorite, don't mention my name. Because that takes away any opportunity for a conversation. And mutual understanding and accountability. And because our faith and love for one another calls us to own what we say. So we're willing to have the difficult conversations. To do anything we can to help our community live together in harmony. And in peace. So I think this man who approached Jesus, he knew he was doing something wrong. And Jesus certainly made it clear that he was doing something wrong, because in response, Jesus told this parable we heard about a rich man who decided to hoard everything for himself. And then Jesus warned this younger brother to be careful, to guard against greed. Today, we are completely surrounded by a culture of greed, excess, and materialism, to the point where I don't think we even realize a lot of it. In the United States, we waste 30 to 40% of our food supply while millions of us go hungry. We buy far more food full-size model cars and trucks than the rest of the world. We produce the most municipal solid waste per capita in the whole world. The average citizen in our nation uses almost four times more electricity than the world average. We have so much stuff that we can't fit all of it in our houses, right? And in 2018, 90% 90% of all the self-storage units in the whole world were here in the United States. And our nation has the largest advertising market in budget. In fact, in 2021, it was more than $280 billion, which is larger than the entire GDP of 168 countries. I remember one of the young adults I worked with at a previous church. And I just want to say I promise not to use you as sermon illustrations until I'm working at another church, so don't stress. This was a young adult I was working with at a previous congregation. She was so excited for the new iPhone that was coming out, and I don't remember which model it was. Maybe like the iPhone 3 or something that's very old and, and lame at this point. She'd been working really hard to get her life in order, and she just, she wanted this phone in the worst way. She had no money for it. But she told me this this phone was something she had to have, that it was going to make her life so much better and easier. It was everything she wanted in a phone, whatever that means. It was incredible. It was going to change her life. And I pointed out to her as gently as I could that that was exactly what she'd said about the last iPhone. And she just looked at me with this confused expression and said, yeah, but this is the one that I need. See, within all of us, there is a constant battle between our desire for more and being satisfied with what we have. And in a world that encourages greed and excess and materialism, one of the most countercultural things we can do is to simply cultivate a sense of enough. To be satisfied with what we have, rather than constantly longing for more. And this morning, Jesus tells us that living this way isn't just countercultural, it's also wise and it's liberating. You see, what no one tells you is that greed is a trap. Greed is never satisfied, no matter how much we accumulate or consume or possess. Did you notice that in the parable we heard, this man was described as rich before he had this huge, incredible bumper crop that he couldn't fit into his already full barns? He was already rich, and yet greed demanded more because eventually greed ends up consuming and possessing us, It leaves us without any sense of satisfaction or fulfillment or peace. Our world never seems to ask, what's going to bring us a sense of true fulfillment? This constant thirst for more or a satisfaction With enough. And because of his greed, this man was left with a different kind of thirst. Listen again to the way he spoke. I have no place to store my crops, so I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger barns, and there I will store my grains and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Do you see what's missing from his words? Any mention of anyone else. Family, friends, neighbors, community. God. He was focused only on himself. And this plan to hoard all that grain would impact the agrarian economy in which he lived in ways that would cause his neighbors to suffer. That's what the pursuit of wealth, that's what greed does. It isolates us. It pushes away our concern for others. It poisons our relationships. And it creates a deep loneliness. For all this man's wealth and abundance, his life was poor. Part of himself was empty. And if we follow the path of greed, inevitably we'll experience the same thing. Jesus tells us that our life does not consist. Our life is not found in the abundance of possessions or wealth. These things are incapable of bringing us true meaning and purpose. They're unable to provide real satisfaction and peace, and one day, they're going to be gone. Whether while we're still alive on this earth, or when we die, our possessions and wealth will eventually go away. And and if we've based our identity or our self-worth on these things, then what is it going to mean for us when they're gone? What will we be left with? And so instead of obsessing over money and possessions, Jesus invites us to a different way of life, to a life of of deeper faith, of putting our trust in the one thing that will never disappear or go away, a life of being rich towards God. What does a life rich towards God look like? It means investing. Investing in our relationship with God. Using our time and energy to to strengthen our connection with God. It means living with an awareness towards others and their needs. And recognizing that everything we have has been given to us as a, a sort of sacred trust and is meant to be used to love and serve others. It means trusting in God's promise to daily provide for us rather than hoarding things out of fear. Here's how Debbie Thomas, one of my favorite authors and theologians, put it. She said, what does a heart and a lifestyle and a home and a bank account rich toward God look like? Maybe it means guarding against greed instead of obsessing over fairness. Maybe it means holding our mortality closer than we want to. Maybe it means asking hard questions about what makes us feel secure or insecure. Maybe it it means acknowledging that even our hard-earned, well-earned, self-earned wealth comes from God and belongs to God. Maybe it means prioritizing human interconnectedness over personal gain or asset management. Maybe it means dialoguing with God more ardently than we monologue with ourselves. Maybe it means holding human wisdom lightly, knowing that God's wisdom will almost always render our own foolish. Listen, as people of faith, each of us need to figure out for ourselves what a life rich towards God looks like. And it's something that will change and evolve throughout our lives. But as we figure out what it means to live rich towards God, we can do so with the confidence and peace that comes from knowing that God has already been rich towards us. God's given us what we need, and we'll continue to, and we need only open our arms and our hearts to receive it. Jesus has shown us where true wealth and richness is to be found in loving relationships and self-emptying service. He offered even his life for us to know the incredible riches of God's mercy and love. So may we reject the trap of greed and instead open ourselves up to the satisfaction of enough and together embrace lives that are rich towards God. Amen.